In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about navigating cancer's aftermath as a single mother, about the intermingling of sadness and hope, and about a body trying to get the attention of its owner. Today's storyteller is ultimately asking the question, what will it take to accept my body for what it is, to no longer tell myself I'm fat, I'm freakish, I'm not good enough? Where does one find this acceptance? My guest today is Shelly Moreno. As you'll hear, Shelly found the first glimpse of body acceptance when her then four-year-old son gently urged her to lower her swimsuit top and show him the mastectomy scar she herself was too afraid to see. Now, Shelly and her son Kai live in Los Angeles. Shelly was diagnosed at 40 with stage 3 triple negative breast cancer, and then she had a local reoccurrence just a few years later at 43. Shelly says she has learned to embrace all aspects of her journey, knowing that healing through the darkest times shines the biggest light. This light, she says, has helped her uncover a voice long ago suppressed, and Shelly now wants all women to know their voices deserve to be heard. Hey, Shelly, welcome to The Burn. Hi, good morning. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. And I will just insert here a quick note for those of you listening in that Shelly and I are both navigating post-COVID life, which means you might hear some coughing or raspy voices on either end of our microphones. And we will do our best to sip our tea, clean our audio up, but just a heads up that we're both on the struggle bus today. All right, Shelly, you're here to read a piece you wrote for Wildfire Magazine's 2019 body issue. The essay you shared with us is titled, Each Body Part Has a Story to Tell. After you read, we'll chat. And those of you listening, stay tuned to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. All right, Shelly, I'll let you read us your story. All right, thank you. Each body part has a story to tell. One day in the winter of 2012, my four-year-old son, Kai, burst into the bathroom. Mama, why are you taking a shower in your swimsuit? I had no good answer, only the truth. I'm scared to look since I lost my boob. It had been over a month and still could not bring myself to look at the wreckage. Well, can I see? He asked. I'm worried it will look scary to you, I said. That's okay, Mama. I want to see. I lowered my swim top. Oh, Kai blinked. Is it scary? I asked. No, Mama, it's okay. You can look. I looked down to see purple shriveled up skin where five weeks earlier my right breast had been. I was hit with a simultaneous wave of sadness and hope. For the first time in a long time, I really saw her, my body. She had been 
trying to get my attention for a long time. But distraught with the more recent trauma of my son's father leaving when Kai was just an infant and resurfacing memories of young life trauma, I had been avoiding my body except only to make my unreasonable demands. Look perfect. Get it done. Find a husband. This single thing mom was way too much. Have another baby. And most of all, keep moving so we don't have to feel a thing. As I took in the bright purple flat chest, I saw how my body sticks by me, fights for me, holds the pain, and loses her breast with dignity, despite my demands of perfection. That instant was the opening of a door to willingness to love and accept my body. I got a glimpse that if I truly listened to my body and connected with her, magic would happen. I accepted the invitation to keep the door open. But willingness was just the first step. Little did I know we would be going deep. After the 2012 mastectomy, I still had coming a stage three recurrence in 2015, massive amounts of chemo, radiation, complications, and five surgeries, and plenty of opportunity for me and my body to work out a complicated past and be present for the pains and joys of now. In truth, we fought each other for a while. Well, it was actually me doing the resisting. I was still livid my body had been invaded and forced to do things I did not want, like taking medicine which felt more like poison than a cure, gaining 30 pounds from steroids, and being left to live with chronic pain and often debilitating fatigue. Spit out the other side of the cancer machine. I didn't recognize my bloated face, covered now with melasma, the now permanently thinner eyebrows, lashes and hair, and ugh, that weight gain. I did get a breast implant that never really looked quite right. And with the weight gain, the one huge boob felt freakish. And I would tell myself so. It breaks my heart to think of it now. Imagine all I had been through and I was still telling myself I was too fat, too freakish, and just not good enough. I wanted to hide. I demanded myself to get it together. The grief was mounting and waiting for me to feel. In desperation, I pushed my body into a weight loss detox program too soon and got even sicker. I was forcing a misguided ideal that was making us both miserable. I did not want to live this way, but I did not know how to do it differently. I remembered the willingness I had that day in the shower and reached to God for help. I was guided back to therapy. My therapist told me fighting for my life as an adult triggered painful childhood memories. One by one, we are unpacking them. Each body part has a story to tell. I have a reverence at how much pain my body has held for me for so long. I learned my body needs to heal slowly. Uncovering too many layers too soon leads to backlash. I have to respect that. I have to give her all the time she needs. And the same goes for my physical healing. Daily, we have to test the waters together. Can I handle the grocery store? Or is one more thing today just too much? It is all a practice, but we're getting through it together. She reminds me, slow down and stop trying so hard. We're good just the way we are. I make amends to her by listening. She likes to talk through art, writing, movement, and play. I discovered she has a booming voice with lots to say. Some days when she is hurting, we get out paints and brushes and drip, swipe and stroke, leaving our big feelings in red and orange on the paper. A lot of days we laugh. 
Yes, I am powerless over so much of what has happened to my body, but every last bit of pain is being used to help me see the hero my body is, just as she is. She is to be celebrated, treasured, and loved. Do I still want to lose weight and wish I had the energy to do things I used to be able to pre-cancer? Sure. But nothing beats the joy I feel when I know my body trusts me again. I hear her whisper, thank you, my friend, for setting me free. I love you back. Mm. Shelly, that was gorgeous. Thank you so much for reading that story. All right, we're going to take a quick break here for a testimonial. And when we come back, you and I will chat some more. Hi, I'm Anseline Corso, and I was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer at 33 in 2018. I found the wildfire workshop while looking for virtual support at the beginning of the pandemic. Soon after, I subscribed to the wildfire magazine. The 2021 wildfire body issue was published a week before I had surgery. So much of what I was reading online made me worry about the outcomes. Reading the stories in the body issue gave me the hope I needed. It made me realize I wasn't alone, that I would learn to accept my scars. It wouldn't come easy, but I would get there. I have the magazine sitting on a table that I walk past every day. Sharing our stories matters. Finding others like us matters. All right. Welcome back. Thank you so much for the love. And Shelly, turning to you, thank you so much for your powerful writing and for reading your piece today. Thank you. Thank you so much, April, for having me here and being the incredible conduit that lets us tell our stories like this. I don't know if that could have came out if it wasn't for this incredible platform. So thanks for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I want to get into um, kind of that process of bringing stories out. But first, I, I just want to acknowledge what you said in your story about really listening to your body. I loved what you said about, you know, some days she needs to talk through play, through art, through writing, like it might be a different thing each day. And you're just learning to listen. I just think that's so powerful. And I really commend you for, for this work that you're actively doing with your body right now. Thank you. Yeah, I think it makes a really huge difference. Just people want to get out of their bodies, like to get spiritual and meditate and leave their bodies. But I'm discovering for me, I've just associated enough uh, with mental health issues to get into my body. There's so much strength and answers. So thanks for acknowledging me for that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to the beginning of your story. You know, I was really struck and and heartbroken, honestly, by the fact that you bathed in a bathing suit for five weeks to avoid looking at your chest. I want to highlight that because I have a feeling there's someone listening right now who's doing that exact same thing. And I want them to know that's a reality that other people are experiencing and they're not alone in that. And so first, thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that moment with us. And I really love how Kai played this role in seeing you, which enabled you to see you. It's this, you know, needing to see yourself through someone else's eyes to test those waters. So I also want to acknowledge that you were forced to mother 
while going through cancer, which is a reality for a lot of people. That was a reality for me as well. And I just wonder if you can talk more, a little bit more about this particular moment and what resonates for you now, so many years later, you're many years past that your child is a teenager now. So what stands out for you now? Um, I think what stands out is how authentic I was and still am with him within reason to not scare him, right? He was three and then four. And at the time, his dad wasn't really around. So I was his parent and to try to navigate. So he didn't know he could sense something was wrong, but also to, to not scare him, to be authentic enough and to include him in the process to tell him things. So I remember one time someone asked him when we were at preschool, oh, well, how are you feeling? And he piped up and said, oh, she can lift me up with both arms now. So that he was really clued into my body and what I could and couldn't do. So I think that was was really important to be able to, sometimes I'd cry in front of him. Sometimes I'd suck it up and be strong. But it just was like a mosaic of what I could do that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, I don't know if this was the tr- the same for you, so you'll have to say, but I was really, really worried that cancer was going to make a, a gulf between me and my child. I was really worried that we were going to lose some of our connection from when she was so little. And what I have found is that cancer has been a surprising bond between us. It has made us really, really connected because she saw what I went through and I did have her be a part of it. I had no other choice, you know, but to talk to her about what she was watching happen in front of her. And now she's one of my biggest allies. Is that, is that, would you say that's the same for you guys? Did you have that same fear? And how would you say cancer plays a role in your relationship now? Excellent questions. Um, the biggest thing was he always slept on my right breast and that was his side. I had this kitty pajamas and the kitty's face was here and he'd sleep on the kitty. So I had to like, Oh, we're going to sleep on this side now. And he was like, what? That was like shocking right there. And so we made adjustments and I think we became a really deep team and we have an incredible bond. I do see it affecting us now, um, especially having COVID and he, he had to go to his dad's for a while. And I see him, I see him have fear sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I see him like be like the hero and the helper among all his friends, which is great. It's a beautiful quality. Sometimes I worry it's too much. Um, but I don't know. Um, I think I over worry about how it affected him and I should just live him his, let him live his life. I think I worry more about it. And that's what he would say if he was here. He's an incredibly resilient, strong kid. And we can talk about really deep things, like no problem. And he can tell me deep things. And then when he's a teenager and doesn't want it, I know when to back off. But we've had a really cool, intimate kind of dance, given this heavy topic as our underpinning of of such a devastating youth, like a way to start your life out at three years old. Because also his dad had a stroke when Kai was maybe five or six. So Mm. it was just a lot for this kid to handle. So, Wow. So yeah, that's a lot all happening at once because you had your initial diagnosis and a reoccurrence and the stroke. Oh my goodness. That's a lot. Yeah. It was a little crazy. Um, His dad couldn't drive because of his stroke, but I could barely function. So between the two of us, we kind of scotch taped together 
like a team and got them places and did things. And it was a little insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and I'm struck too. So you're, you know, you're parenting while you go through cancer. And at the same time, as you mentioned in your story, you're in a way reparenting yourself to heal some, some traumas, you know, that happened to you earlier in your life that came back to, to kind of visit you in these layers that you were uncovering going through cancer treatment. And, um, so I wonder if you can talk a little bit about, you know, this is coming back to that creativity and that using play and writing and art and all those things. Do you feel like reparenting is an accurate word for what you were kind of going through with, with listening to your body and listening to yourself? I'm so glad you brought all this up. You said so much. And yes, I think reparenting is so accurate there was so many nooks and crannies inside of me that never got heard. And one of the things that they don't always talk about is how cancer affects someone with deep physical sexual trauma um, mm -hmm. or physical violence, any kind of bodily trauma. Cancer, it's going to bring it up. I always look at it. If you have a weakness in your body, maybe you have a bad knee or trauma or something, Cancer somehow is going to make it worse, right? Because you're so, it, the, the drugs and everything are so intense and the looking, the mortality in the face is so intense. So it's going to bring everything up. So I had to like, I look back and see how I sat in the hospital room with my gown so tight and they had to call a social worker because I wouldn't take it off mm. as a wake up call because I didn't understand that that was a little kid inside of me doing that. Mm -hmm. Like I was safe. I was at the doctors. I wasn't going to take the gown off. Wow. And so it, it did, it was a reparenting because I had to also take the medicine, get the help, go to the doctor, show them my breasts. I had to do these things. So it was reparenting and it was being creative because as the bull, as I said, the bullying didn't work. You can't bully your subconscious. You can't bully your body. So that the lot of that play did come into that. And sometimes I would just be a crying puddle on the floor with crayons. Um, it just, it just, but it depended. But that that's an accurate reparenting. Mm. And it's ongoing work. I'm right there with you on needing to do that. And I think that one of the things that's been most surprising to me in this cancer experience is how the body is in conversation with the things that happen to us, you know, psychologically, emotionally, et cetera. The body plays such a deep, um, it just plays a role. Things are written in the body. And then as we go through, say, you know, a surgery, et cetera, it comes out, it comes to play. And I think you can only push it down for so long until suddenly, like you said, you're there on this gurney, unable to open your, your gown. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about, uh, this, this 10 years, you know, we, I think you said that your diagnosis was in 2012, your initial diagnosis. Mine was as well. We have very mirroring uh, experiences in that way. And so I'm wondering how your experience of this 10-year mark is hitting with you. I know maybe it's a little different because of your recurrence, but I was surprised by how much grief I had to process and 
all of the feelings that came up with this 10 year mark. How has it been for you? What a question, because I didn't realize it's been 10 years. Oh, goodness. I think I think because of the recurrence and Mm -hmm. the recurrence was so much more traumatic. It was more intense. Um, But it makes sense. It makes sense where I'm at. Um, I realized there's some more work to do when I had COVID. Mm. Um, I had it really bad and and my body was killing me because I had such a high fever Mm. and it brought back that bone pain of giving myself, you have to give yourself shots in the stomach every day or however they're going to have you do it. And that bone pain is so, for me, excruciating. And having that pain, body pain of the fever with COVID, I was like, whoa, I need to talk to my therapist about this. Mm. This brings back a lot. This brings back a lot. And I feel like, I love that you said this about the 10 years because it helps me feel humbled in the sense there's no timeline. I'm, I'm great right where I'm at. And just yesterday, I got these powerful words. You're not a victim to your body. Mm. Your body is not trying to hurt you. You're, you're not a victim. And your body's not a victim. This is just stuff happening. And I, and I, and I thought, oh, I, I've tried forgiving my body before, even though she's done nothing wrong. I kind of said in that moment, oh, this was just yesterday. I forgive you. Like I've been thinking you're trying to kill me and you're the cause for all my problems. If I didn't have a baby, I mean a body, I wouldn't have got sexually assaulted. If I didn't have a body, I wouldn't have cancer. If I didn't have a body, I wouldn't be worrying about my weight. And I just went yesterday. Oh, Oh my God. I'm really sorry. And I think that's all still a work in progress. And I love that you pointed out my story, the word glimpse I used. I'm getting glimpses because mm-hmm. it's a it's a process and I'm still going through it. But at 10 years, I feel confident. I don't really worry about getting it again. I don't, I don't as much. I really, I barely worry about getting it again. Mm. I just don't. That's wonderful to hear. And I wonder, I mean, you may have already just answered this question, but another thing that comes up with being 10 years in is the decision to stay in the community. And I first want to just thank you for being here because I think that there's a lot of new people being diagnosed who need to see people who are Ned at 10 years out or even not Ned, you know, just people who've been here and have the longevity of having like gone through the stuff we're talking about, you know, working with a therapist, working through body stuff, working through recurrence, you know, now COVID has come and it's brought up more cancer stuff. Like, so I just want to say thank you for staying in the community and continuing to be verbal about it. But I also want to ask you if that's a decision that you are making consciously or unconsciously? Like, do you ever think, oh, maybe I need to, I need space from the cancer community after all this time? Um, well, now that I found my people, like with you mm. and I've um, done some stuff with some other organizations, it, it's, that's made a huge difference. I've been to some support groups and there's a lot of older people and that I, I didn't feel good to me there. Um, I feel connected. And also I'm sober 22 years and we learn in sobriety, we give back Mm -hmm. and that's how you keep your sobriety. So I still go to my recovery meetings. 
And so I, it's my honor and privilege if someone has a problem of something I went through, like they don't want to look at their breast. They're not like, yay, I'm getting new breasts. They're like me. And they've heard me say that. And that gives them a, a relief. That's like my honor and privilege to be able to do that. So I don't know if it's conscious or unconscious, but I definitely don't want to go anywhere. I feel like, I don't know if I feel it's my duty that I'm alive to do this, but it feels really important. Mm, I love that. I love that. So my last question for you to bring it back around to writing, and I'll just share with our listeners that you've been in writing workshops with me and, um, are, you know, writing is a big part of, of your survivorship, at least it, I think it is from here, yeah. but I'll let you say, but yeah, I just wonder how, how your experience of writing through all this has been, where you're with, where you're at with it today and, and any goals, any writing goals you have right now? Um, writing is, I'm just going to say what comes because I'm going to gush. Writing is a miracle. It's incredible. These stories are so empowering. And I didn't, I've always been a writer and love to write, but this has really shown me what a testament. Like I went to a pop-up workshop about infertility and I really wanted to have a second mm. child and I really was having a pro hard time processing the grief. And in that writing workshop, it was hard because I thought, well, if I never went to that workshop, I wouldn't have known just how awful this felt, but it was dormant under there all the time. And I really got a lot out of just that one afternoon. And then I had to do some work after, but it just, it's so empowering. I just encourage people to tell their stories. Even if you feel you're not a writer, just tell your stories. And even going to your workshops and hearing other stories has been so profound. And I feel like such a cheerleader of the other women. It really is life-changing because you don't know what's packed away in there. It's so incredibly healing. Mm, I, I mean, I can't agree more. I mean, that's why I do the work that I do. But I just, I had a similar experience this last weekend. I participated in a workshop that, you know, someone else was was leading and stuff came out on the page. I didn't even know was occupying space in my head, you know, things that I didn't realize I had pain around until the right prompt came along. And then, you know, it just came out. And like you said, well, shoot, maybe if I hadn't gone to the workshop, I wouldn't have to deal with this. But the truth is you're going to deal with it one way or another. It's going to show up, right? And showing up on the page is such a rich experience. I think so, because you had another pop-up workshop, and I was like, oh, I would relate to that, but I got to take a break today, and I didn't go. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I think you have to be in the right, maybe the right frame of mind sometimes, too, and you have to know when to, it's listening. It's coming right back to your story, Shelly. It's listening to her, listening to what she needs in that moment. And sometimes she needs the nudge and say, let's do this work together. And sometimes she's going to say, I can't today. I just can't. And that's okay too. It's the conversation. Definitely a conversation. Yeah. And the writing gets the thinking out of the way. Cause sometimes my conversation could be in my heart and I need to get the heart and the head connected. And the writing really does that. Absolutely. Oh, there's been some wonderful science on that and how profoundly different it is from 
you know, talking like we are now, we're saying really like deep and interesting things. But if we were both writing this, we would be going even deeper. There's just something that happens when you put that pen to the paper. It lets you tap into a place you can really only get to um, dreaming, I think they say. So it's pretty interesting Ooh. stuff. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Any um, any final thoughts? Any last thing from you, Shelley, before we close? I just say anyone out there who is struggling to get part of the community, don't be shy. Um, I love to like meet new people. I like to see people on the workshops and get to know them. And there's no story that's not important. And if you think you're different because you're not, you know, running around all rah, rah, that's okay too. And if you are, yay, it's all great. But I just want to say nothing is wrong. You're not doing this wrong. You're just Mm -hmm. not doing it wrong. And that's how I felt. And it kept me isolated. And I found people who were just doing it weird, wrong, different. We're all just doing it however we're doing it. So community is everything and to stay connected. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that grace that you're giving yourself that there's no right or wrong way. And also it's not bad that you and I have 10 years and we're still uncovering and healing and learning and evolving. So yeah. Uh, Thank you so much, Shelly. So where can people um, connect with you online? Is that possible? Oh, sure. Um, I don't have a huge thing on social media. Um, but I am. I would love to people connect with me at my Instagram, Shelly Shell underscore M, and Shelly with an E Y, S H E L L E Y, S H E L L underscore M. I could tell I'm nervous because I'm speaking really fast. Like, don't catch it. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it, Shelly. We will link to you um, so that the people who need to connect with you can. Your your story, everything about what just happened in this conversation is so powerful. So I know people needed to hear this. So again, my guest, my writer today was Shelly Moreno. Her piece was called Each Body Part Has a Story to Tell. And you can find that in the 2019 issue of Wildfire called Body. We do an annual body issue each year. We just released our sixth. So this was the 2019 that Shelly was featured in. Thank you so much again, Shelly. Yeah, thank you, April. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 37 issues in the Wildfire Archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. Also, don't forget to hop over to wildfirecommunity.org to join our mailing list so you stay in the know about new magazine issues, free writing pop-up workshops, and more. Here's today's writing prompt. You'll set your timer for eight minutes and write without stopping or editing. 
Today's prompt begins with a quote. This comes from a writer who has faced chronic illness. Her name is Tara Hardy, and this comes from her piece, Bone Marrow. Tara writes, your skin is the biggest gift you were ever given. When the doctors first said I might die, what surprised me is that I didn't wish I had written more poems or even told people I loved them, because if I love you, you know. What I wished is that I had seen more of the world. Let its salt stick to me. I've spent so much time in my head and in my heart that I forgot to live in my body. So on my agenda for whatever time I have left is joy. If there is any advice I have to give to my formerly non-sick self or to you, it would be this. Eat the avocados, love yourself down to the marrow and out past the rind. So eat the avocados, love yourself down to the marrow and out past the rind. What would it look like to give in to bodily pleasure? To love yourself down to the marrow. This is your prompt. What would it look like to give in to bodily pleasure, to enjoy your body wholly and completely, to be completely in conversation with her? Eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. And until next time, take good care.